Heavenly, wonderful, gracious Father, we are here, Lord. We want to learn from you. We want to apply our life, and we want to know you better, that, that we can help others, and we can control ourselves and please you. And somehow put those smells or those savors in a bottle, and you can open it one day and when we meet you, and you can, you can say, that, that was well done. So be with us, Lord. We invite you to be our guests and our teacher here today. So we thank you for all of this. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, good morning, everybody. Uh, thanks for coming. I know there's a lot of uh, competing places to be this morning. I said to the brothers, I might have gone to Brother Scott's forum if I didn't have to be here, but maybe they wouldn't have appreciated me not showing up. So thank you for coming. Um, you saw the slide of kind of the outline of what we're doing. Um, before we get started, a couple things I kind of want to mention. You know, as we were brainstorming about possible uh, forum ideas, this one came up and I opened my big mouth somehow and uh, found myself involved in this. And uh, while on one hand I'm thankful that uh, if God has something he can use, I'm thankful for that. But as I got into it, um, money is one of those subjects uh, that I'm not so sure I should have signed up to talk about. It's a very sensitive subject. Um, uh, we are not here this morning to tell anybody what to do with your money. That's, I think, between you and God. Uh, our, our aim is to... Uh, highlight an issue, perhaps get us thinking about it, perhaps get us talking about it amongst ourselves uh, where appropriate, and and just make the most of what God has given us. Um, it's very personal. Um, if I push some buttons and you disagree with me, forgive me. Uh, as the three of us spent some time you know, talking about this, we had some very, um, let's call it heated debates about what even the three of us felt was appropriate and the right way to look at it. It's not an easy uh, subject. We will all have a different opinion. Uh, I certainly can respect that. And uh, forgive me if, if I come across in a way that you see different. By all means, I'm, I'm willing to talk. But um, it's just one perspective. And uh, we'll ask the Holy Spirit uh, to lead us individually. I also want to stress that I, I want to be careful not to come across that if God has blessed you, or I, that's not a bad thing necessarily. In fact, the opposite. Uh, God can do a lot of good with what he has blessed us with. Um, but God gives different uh, things to different people. So um, that's that. Um, also, we've called it living simply so that others can simply live. Uh, realistically, that will look very, very different to different people. I don't want to come across in a way that uh, sounds like I'm just going to pull a number out of a hat because I like getting myself in trouble. I don't want to come across that, you know, if your house is over 2,000 square feet, there's no way you can be living God's will. That's not anybody's uh, position to tell you. Uh, that's between you and God and what God has given you and how you choose to use what God has given you. Um, a little personal story as we got talking about this. Brother Greg and I got into a bit of a debate. You know, we, we, I don't know how we got on this subject. He has a pickup truck that he drives by himself. And he said, somebody thinks I shouldn't have this truck because it has a big eight-cylinder engine with it in it. And it's just me. And I said, well, I agree. <laughs> He's wrong. <laughs> well, let's just put it this way, though. The rest of the story is when we went to pack our van for camp, there wasn't enough room in there. So I phoned Brother Greg and said, you got a little extra room in the back of that truck for some stuff. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tough one. It's going to look very different to different people. Uh, I want to acknowledge that and, and just raise, raise some awareness. As I said, it, the purpose is to, to raise an issue. Let's talk about it. Let's pray about it. 
I think uh, we, spend, we don't spend enough time talking about these things, or maybe not even talking about it. Maybe we shouldn't be talking about it. Maybe we should be praying about it more. Um, this is something, I think if, if we all spent as much time thinking about financial planning or the use of our resources uh, as we do lots of other things in life, we could be used by God a whole lot more. I thought it was interesting in our class this morning, we were talking about decision-making, and as I was leaving, the brother was talking about one of the decision-making styles is the, is the uh, default don't-do-anything uh, response. And I think a lot of times, a lot of us deal with our money that way. We just kind of, the default is just go along with the flow instead of stopping, stepping back, and looking at the big picture. Sorry, I feel like I'm my back to some people here. And, I, and one thing also, uh, it, we're, we're talking about per, personal finance, uh, not necessarily business. I think some of, a lot of the principles certainly overlap, but some may be different. So I think just to make sure we're all on the same page. I'm just going to really quickly go through some statistics. I mentioned a few this morning. Some are a little bit repeat of that. Some are expanded a little more. Um, was anybody surprised by the statistics that I mentioned this morning? I was shocked when I started looking into this. I mean, the fact that people spend more money in restaurants and bars than at a grocery store, I'm like, oh my, this is, this is unbelievable. So last 50 years, while family sizes have decreased, the average size of a home has increased by about 50%. 25% of homes with a double car garage can't get a car inside because it's full of stuff. Maybe I won't ask for a show of hands who can relate. I mentioned this morning there's about 38 billion self-storage units, million, in the USA. It's a $22 billion a year industry, 2.3 billion square feet of space. As I said this morning, every, man, every resident, man, woman, and child in the U.S. could stand under a roof in one. Plus, we're not done. Many people are still paying for, on credit on the stuff that they're storing in these units, Plus, many people have paid more in rental fees than the stuff in the units is worth in the first place. As I looked into this, it, it, it said that one of the biggest uh, strengths that the, this industry has is basically human laziness. Once people put stuff in a unit, they can afford the monthly payment of $100 or whatever they're worth, and they don't want to deal with it. So they just keep paying that $100 a month. And after three or four or five years, lots of times, more has actually been spent on the storage than the stuff is worth. Plus, we all know the TV shows. There's about 150,000 units a year that are auctioned off because people have abandoned them, stopped paying the rent, passed away, whatever the issue is. <clears throat> a couple more statistics. Weight loss industry is a $64 billion a year industry. That's not accounting for the, the food that we eat that we didn't need in the first place probably could feed the rest of the world over anyway. 60% of people with a gym membership never use it. Vacation travel industry is worth $475 billion a year, and this is not business travel. This is leisure and vac vacation. 2016, for the first time, more money was spent in bars and restaurants and grocery stores. I mentioned that. And we could go on, I'm sure. Um, I think it's obvious there's a challenge. Uh, the question is, not maybe so much is there a problem, but are we part of the problem? Are we different than the world around us? I'd like to say maybe somewhat, but maybe not. So with God's help this morning, I want to 
just raise the awareness. Let's talk about it. Um, Brother John's going to address a little bit the younger sort of crowd and the, the college or post-college crowd. I'll try to address sort of the middle-aged, uh, maybe the families, and we, and those of you who have parents know the feeling. I mean, if we bought everything our kids said they needed and, and, and what we could use and would like to do, um, there's just not enough money to go around to do all of that. Does the problem affect us? Let's ask yourself a question. Last time that you got a raise, what was your response? Was your response, thank God, now I can give more? Or was your response, now I can do this, that, or the other thing, or pay off some debt, or whatever, fill in the blank? Do you live above, at, or below your means? You know, the popular thing is, you know, live within your means, live within your means. That's wonderful. I'll never forget Brother Werner had a sermon years and years ago, probably 20 years ago, where he said, that's not good enough. We have to live below our means. God has blessed us so much in our society that if we're consuming it all up, we're missing, we're missing the point. How about if you had to go without an income for three months or six months, depending who you listen to in the financial sort of planning world, you know, that emergency fund. How long could you go? How long could I go? if I had no paycheck for a while? How do you really look at your possessions? Are they yours or God's? Your bank account, is it yours or God's? Once you've given whatever percent you decide, let's use the 10% number for the sake of the argument, once you've given that 10%, do you think the rest is yours? And now I've done my, my duty, I've done my deed, and now I can do whatever I want? Just using Zambia as an example, if, if, if God convicted you and I today to move somewhere else and to leave it all here, could I do it? How would you react if everything you have was taken away? I have never faced that, but my parents and some of our parents and maybe some of you here have faced that. Or one day, you know, soldiers came and said, get out, it's not your house anymore. I'm not going to pretend that wouldn't be hard or that wouldn't hurt, but how, how deeply would it shake us? Could we pick up and move on? If we just stood here today and talked about what the problem is, I think we, that would be pretty easy. Uh, we would probably all agree uh, that you know, there is a problem and what it is, but I think it's much more important that we talk about the why, the heart issue. Why is it? that it's so easy to fall into the temptations that our society brings us, and it's so easy to lead carnal lives. Because at the end of the day, I think that's, that's the problem. This is really about being content and leading a modest lifestyle, which, I don't know about you, but for me, that's not necessarily easy to do. When you can buy something and you want something, to not do it. To say, God has blessed me not to consume it upon myself, but perhaps there's, a, there's, a, there's another uh, aspect here. Um, we have a whole bunch of uh, Bible verses here that you know, the Bible is full of verses that talk about this. It's full of them. And the hard part was narrowing it down to some that we're going to read. So I have, I don't know, 10 or 12 verses here. We're just going to quickly go through them. I don't think I need to comment on any of them. I think they speak for themselves. So 
just uh, pay attention and let God speak to you. Deuteronomy 8, 11 to 20. Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes, which I command thee this day. Lest, when thou hast eaten and art full and hast built goodly houses and dwelt therein, and when thy herds and thy flocks multiply, and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied, and all that thou hast, thou hast is multiplied, then thine heart be lifted up, and thou forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt." From the house of bondage, who led thee through the great and terrible wilderness, wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought, where there was no water, who brought thee forth water out of a rock of flint, who fed thee in the wilderness with manna, which thy fathers knew not, that he might humble thee, and that he might prove thee and do thee good at thy latter end. And thou shalt say in thine heart, My power and the might of my hand hath gotten me this wealth. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that hath given thee power to get wealth. It is he that may establish his covenant, which he sware unto, his, unto thy fathers, as it is this day. And it shall be, when if thou do at all forget the Lord thy God, and walk after other gods, and serve them, and worship them, I testify against you this day, that ye shall surely perish, as the nations which the Lord destroyed before your face, so shall ye perish, because ye would not be obedient unto the voice of the Lord your God. The prophet Haggai, I chose a few verses to try to condense it, but this is what he said. Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Ye have sown much, and bring in little. Ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but ye are not filled with drink. Ye clothe ye, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it into a bag with holes. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the house, and I will take pleasure in it, and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. Just a clarification, that's the house of the Lord that he's referring to. Ye looked for much, and lo, it came to little. And when ye brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why, saith the Lord of hosts, because of mine house that is waste, and ye run every man unto his own house. Therefore the heaven over you is stayed from dew, and the earth is stayed from her fruit. And now, I pray you, consider from this day and upward, from before a stone was laid upon a stone in the temple of the Lord, since those days... When one came down in heap of twenty measures, there were but ten. When one came to the press fat for to draw out fifty vessels out of the press, there were but twenty. I smote you with blasting and with mildew and with hail in all the labors of your hands. Yet ye turned not to me, saith the Lord. Consider now, from this day and upward, from the four and twentieth day of the ninth month, even from the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider it. Is the seed yet in the barn? Yea, as yet the vine, and the fig tree, and the pomegranate, and the olive tree hath not brought forth. From this day I will bless you. Sort of condense that a bit. Everybody was doing their own thing, looking after their own thing, and not following the commandments, and following the Lord, and building the temple. And he was saying, from the day that you put me first, I will bless you as well. Twelve. Uh, and one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. And he said unto him, Man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? 
And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things which he possesses. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plenty. And he, and he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I will, put, I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow and my fruits with my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall require of thee. Then whose those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Slide 11. Slide 11. Sorry, you got the clicker? Okay. Uh, Luke 12, 32 to 34. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell that you have and give alms. Provide yourselves bags which wax not old, a treasure in heaven that faileth not, where no thief approaches, neither moth corrupted. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Okay, Mark 4, 18 and 19. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lusts of other things entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. Second Corinthians eight eleven through 15. Now therefore, perform the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also out of that which ye have. For if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath, and not according to that he hath not. For I mean not that other men be eased and ye burdened, but by an equality that now at this time your abundance may be a supply for their wants, that their abundance also may be a supply for your want, that there may be equality. As it is written, he that hath gathered much hath nothing over, and he that hath gathered little hath no lack. The next one, 2 Corinthians 9, 6 and 7. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reach also bountifully. Every man according as he purposed in his heart, so let him, not grudgingly or necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Romans 8, 5 to 8. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are, are the spirit, the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Okay, and the final one, James 4, 2 through 4. Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have, and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon <clears throat> your lusts. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. I think those verses speak pretty clearly for themselves. I don't know about you, but I've got a long ways to go. I don't know about you, but um, I feel a little uncomfortable after reading those verses. And I think it's safe to say that everybody here would feel the same way. Some of us, God has blessed and we have more than we need. 
there may be some who are struggling, and I want to acknowledge that too. Um, I don't have answers for that, but at the same time, when I look at what God has given us in this country, in these countries, in our society, I think every one of us could give more. Why is it that it's so easy to fall into this? I think it's interesting that in about the last six months or so, I am aware of at least four different churches in our, in our denomination that have had sermons about this subject in the last six months. I, I came across one, I think, Colorado Springs, Beverly Hills. I know in Ancaster we did, and Richmond, Virginia as well. There may be others. Those are the only, I just happened to hear about them and talking about this. I think maybe God is trying to get our attention. When I think about how I live my life, you know, and of course we all think we do a pretty good job handling what God has given us. And we all think we do a pretty good job of stretching our dollars. But if I'm honest with myself, somebody who perhaps uh, works a, a minimum wage type of job and somehow makes ends meet looks at me like I'm absolutely throwing what God has given me to the dogs. I can't blame them for looking at me that way. And, and to some ways, I probably see that very easily in people who God has blessed very, very much. It's very easy to look at them and say, man, they could do so much better. But I think we all could. You know, uh, when people uh, complain sometimes about their problems, uh, Jenny has come up with this thing she says to them sometimes, and it really puts it in perspective. You know, you let them go on about their problems, whatever it might be. And she says, yep, first world problems. You know, do we want to trade them in for third world problems? That's a whole different story. When a man works as hard as he can but can't keep his kids fed. I, I can't relate. I have no reason to complain. It's our happiness. Some of these quotes, uh, credit where credit is due, come from some of the sermons and topics that have happened. And it was mentioned in the brothers' meeting, actually, in West Akron as well. So that's five places. Some of these come from quotes from those sermons. Could it be that our happiness is coming from how other people look at us? Think back. How long does happiness last, or that pleasure, or that, that feeling when we buy something? Even when we experience something, and I sometimes say, I'm really cheap when it comes to buying stuff, but I'm willing to spend some money when it comes to making experiences. I think that's probably, in my mind at least, is better use of God's resources. But even then, if I do a trip somewhere and it feels good, and I'm not saying there's no good side, I'm not, not saying any of these are wrong, but th th that, that feeling and that the pleasure is very short-lived. It doesn't last long. Think back. What are some of your best memories? I'll give us a second. What are some of the best memories you can remember? If I was in our class this morning, I'd hand out a piece of paper and get us all to write it on it, and I'd read it because it, uh, I think it would be interesting to read. But I'd venture to say that most of those had nothing to do with spending money. Most of those probably had to do with when God called me when I gave my life to the Lord, when I felt God speaking to me, perhaps experiences with loved ones and family, most of those don't cost a lot or anything. So let's look at what we do with what God gives us and let's make sure that we're not trying to buy fulfillment. If you look around the world, that's what's happening. They're unhappy people. And they are trying to fill that hole with the next purchase. 
the next experience, the next high. I think if you talk to the smarter people in I, psychology type people, they'll tell you that it's the same drug in your brain that is released when you make that purchase is when some of the drugs out there give you. And it is addictive. We've all, we all very easily laugh when we hear about the, the hoarders, the people that just buy stuff off the shopping channel or whatever, where they just keep buying stuff and they never open the boxes and it's piled high in their homes. They are addicted. Now, I hope none of us are at that level. But let's be real. Let's be honest with ourselves. Are we after that next high? Could it be? Does everything I own serve a purpose? And if not, why do we have it? Why do we spend money that God has entrusted us with on stuff we don't need? I, I've said this before in Ancaster, and forgive me for those that are from there. You know, sometimes I look at our resources, our, our money. Let's, this is, it's, it's a bit of a tunnel vision. I, I realize this, this subject applies to lots of things. We're, we're just dealing with one section of it. But if we look at our money as somebody giving money to a courier and saying, take this from here to there. And, and by all means, dip into it and, and take what you need for your trip, a hotel or some food or whatever. You, you fill in the blanks. And this person travels along, and when they get to the, the destination, there's nothing left. What would we think of that courier? That's what God is doing, in my mind, with the resources he's blessed me with. He didn't give it to me to use it all up. He gave it to me to be a courier with it. As I've said too many times as well, we need to be uh, rivers and not reservoirs. So some of the inner challenges that I think we all probably face to some extent um, at the root of this topic is really um, a heart issue. There's, uh, there's feelings of content, like are we content or not? Um, selfishness plays a big role, I think, in a lot of this. Um, are we spiritually minded or are we carnally minded? What's important in life? Of course, with the Garden of Eden, the fall of man, greed entered into the world. And really, greed drives so much of our society. What is great today, tomorrow could literally not even matter, be second best. Um, Leo Tolstoy's famous story, how much, man, how much Land Does a Man Need, highlights this, to what extent we will go. When Rockefeller was asked how much money is enough, he said, just a little bit more. Also, in our culture, especially in North America, our image is so important. That's the brand. That's our brand and how we're portrayed to everyone. Um, there needs to be a balance. I don't, you know, we're not saying we need to live like Amish lifestyle, but at the same time, um, who are we portraying? Who are we representing while we're here on this earth? If we can be, t um, this is from one of the sermons that Brother Chris had mentioned, if we can be content in Christ, um, then in many respects we will not care what others think of us. Um, in Hebrews, we are a peculiar people. Sorry, First Peter, we're a peculiar people, a royal priesthood. And also, certainly inside, we think of impressions and what impression are we giving people and what impression do we have of people. And certainly a lot of, um, a lot of the externals, the cars, the houses, the jobs, the, uh, maybe the vacations or the lifestyles we live definitely play into a big part of us. Mark 6, 7 through 9, And he called unto him the twelve, and began to send them forth by two and two, and gave them power over unclean spirits, and commanded them that they should take nothing for their journey, save a staff only, 
no script, no bread, no money in their purse, but be shod with sandals and not put on two coats. Can I say that? That I could truly do this? I think the Bible is fairly clear, but how can we practically live this out in our lives today in 2017 in North America or really anywhere in this world? How can we live this out? Um, so I'll cover some, kind of highlight some different areas that maybe apply more to the younger um, generation. This would really be anyone that's um, they finished high school. They, uh, maybe they dove right into the workforce. Um, maybe they're in um, the halls of higher education. Maybe they have a, an elaborate 10-year, 5-year um, career path that they're, um, that they're tracked on. Um, maybe they've finished their apprenticeship and they've been working um, for several years and they've got some seniority and um, life is comfortable, life is easy. So I'll try to address um, that age group. Of co- um, as Brother Chris mentioned, then there will also be a middle-aged and um, older age group. Of course, these are kind of just rough kind of lines where we're trying to organize some of the uh, content you're not going to necessarily fit exactly into one of these areas. Um, so we just um, we have a little video. It's um, a bit humorous. We're not trying to pick on the millennial generation. Um, I'm probably part of that generation, but it definitely highlights an issue that is prevalent in our society. The need is enormous. There are over 10 million millennials out there who have graduated with no work ethic, no job, no discernible skills at all, and they have expenses. Housing. Student loans. Credit card debt. So I went out to the booth after the service, and I talked with a guy, and he really informed me about the devastation that's not being able to fund a millennial lifestyle. Core Power Yoga. Birchbox for men. I am an aspiring photographer. I graduated college with an art degree, so obviously that puts me at a disadvantage. Volkswagen Jetta lease. Beard wax. Spotify premium. Spend cycle membership. Pet food for my rescue dog. Uber's home from a pub crawl. A typical sponsorship program costs $29 a month. Millennial International is actually $2,900 a month. Yeah, it seems expensive at first, but when you see the need, it is so worth it. Trunk Club subscription. Essential oils. Annual pilgrimage to Bethel Church. It's the same as a traditional sponsorship program, uh, except instead of getting, say, a soccer ball for his birthday, he's getting an Audi. Join me in sponsoring a millennial today and help us. Help us. Help us. Help us live the lives we portray on Instagram. So obviously this is a a very big generalization, but I think he makes a good point. Um, And there definitely is an issue with this in in the culture and society that we live in. So why this topic for those of us that are maybe in the younger category? Why is this, is this even important? Um, do we think about it? Do I think about it um, enough or at all? So I, I do think it is relevant to our age group. I think how we um, kind of start our early adult years will really set, um, set the course for a lot what will happen later on. Um, the way we... Uh, kind of financially lay some of the framework will affect um, our families, our marriages down the road. Um, it will really, the money that we have will either give us more options or less options. Um, 
So what's the motivation for financial modesty? I think um, if I would ask myself a question, would I wish to be able to give more? Would I wish to be able to spend more time doing kingdom work as opposed to working a job? There, um, there are three different categories, as Brother Chris mentioned, those that are below our means, that are at our means, and that are above our means. And I think um, it's applicable for each, of, um, each one of those categories. Where, wherever you are, there's always room to improve. And I think another thing that comes to mind is um, the legacy that we're building. Um, do we want to be remembered, or maybe not remembered, but do we want our lives to be able to be a uh, kind of a river to be able to bless others with God's help, or is our life just going to be about us, about me? A couple examples from the Bible that come to mind: um, when Moses chose to go back to the children of Israel instead of to enjoy the pleasures in Egypt for a season, and the rich young ruler that came to Jesus, he had done kept the law from his youth, and yet Jesus said to sell everything that you have. So there's a lot of emotions and feelings that come, come into play with, um, with our financing. I think when we make a purchase, as Brother Chris touched, there is some kind of excitement or joy, or not joy, but some um, short-lived happiness. Maybe it's getting a new phone. I know for myself, I get excited when I book a plane ticket. Um, for each of us, it's a different thing. Satan really uses that if I only had attitude and how many of us in our own lives um, or have we heard from other people, if I only had this, then I would be happier, then I would be content. Just like Rockefeller, it's never going to be enough. Our emotions, um, our emotional response is based oftentimes on perspective. When we get a good deal, we're happy about it, but then all of a sudden we find out someone got a better deal and, well, I'm not really happy about it anymore. Say so you get a big raise at work, six months down the road, are you still super happy about that raise? You're probably looking for the next raise. Um, I recently, um, at work, I had gotten a raise and then I was kind of disappointed in it. And um, then I kind of overheard one of the senior guys in our department. And I heard the percentage he got. It was significantly less than the percentage I got. And all of a sudden, that shifted my perspective. Was, oh, I probably shouldn't have complained. Um, so a lot of this is based on feelings or emotions, um, and not really reality. So what are some challenges that, um, that our age group faces? Um, some roadblocks, maybe, to uh, living a financially modest life. Um, I think cash flow, we might um, dive into the workforce, and all of a sudden there's all this um, money that we didn't used to have when we were in high school or maybe college. All of a sudden, a lot is available at our fingertips. And also, going along with that, maybe there is a lot of debt from, from schooling that we went into or from, um, from maybe some uncontrolled spending when we, uh, all right, that was a trip. <laughs> um, so maybe there is some debt, and that's, um, that's a challenge to get through. Um, there's a lot of cultural um, expectations so you graduate um, university or you get into the workforce and, you know, where's your new car or where's your house or place where you live? Um, a lot of that is um, pressure around us. Um, it's certainly pressure that I felt um, going through some of these different stages. Um, also, we might have the um, capacity to have some of these things, but the challenge of not choosing not to. 
having the ability to and yet choosing not to. And I think that's certainly a challenge as well. Um, and then access to credit. You'll be amazed. Um, you start working for a couple of years, and banks and credit cards will give you tons and tons of money, um, way disproportional to what I think would be appropriate. But that's just the society that we live in. So where does the money go in our age group? Um, could be school debt. Could be uh, our vehicle or multiple vehicles in cases. Um, restaurants. Our image, portraying that in image that we um, show on Instagram. How much does that cost? Um, different electronics. Um, we could go on. So I think there also has to be a balance, though, in um, that it's not all focused on how to gain more. So we do have to have um, a balance between how much we are um, building up, even if it is for good things. Um, how much are we uh, really working to gain just um, this temporal money? Um, I think the other extreme of that is maybe we're not hardly working or we're just, um, we're just kind of getting by and um, just getting enough to survive, which certainly isn't, um, isn't what God wants us to do either. He wants us to be um, you know, active and being able to use what he's given us to help others. What lengths will we go um, to gain more? There's a, there's a great cost to this. Um, it might not be apparent until further down the road, but um, as we go in our, in our working lives, um, a lot of things can get sacrificed. Um, our church involvement, our families, um, our friends, making us too busy for kingdom work. I think there's a lot of um, drive to be successful as, uh, as young people, especially. Um, there's a, kind of this go, 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 climb the ladder, um, be successful at what you're doing. Um, just a quick short experience. Right after I had graduated, I went to Mexico on a mission trip, and um, kind of getting pulled from that, um, I was in kind of a culture, in an um, environment where there was a lot of uh, pressure to, you know what, you've got to go out and succeed now, and you've got to be successful, and there was a lot of that going on. And um, went on a short trip to Mexico, and it was just a real good perspective check on what's important in life, how much of my time and focus and energy is going into um, the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of man and building up my earthly kingdom. And really, is it ours or is it God's? So how do we get there? Um, what are some habits to help shape our uh, financial, um, financial responsibility, our financial habits? Prayer, I think it should always definitely be number one. Um, setting goals. Um, of course, with the understanding that this can change. So write them in pencil. Give God the eraser. Um, credit cards, I think I use them a lot, but I think we need to use them responsibly. Or responsibly. So if we're keeping a balance, we should probably get rid of them. If we're paying it off every month, that's fine. It's really an interest-free loan, but we have to know what our limits are in um, our own personal um, needs. Housing, I think that's a big thing. Um, well, while we're maybe at university college or um, even after we uh, after going through school, where do we um, where do we uh, live? That could be a big cost, um, certainly um, for many of us. It's a lot cheaper to live at home. It might not be the popular thing to live with mom and dad, but um, you can certainly save a lot. Um, impulse buying, 
anything from a car to uh, you know some deal online. You got to buy it now. There's only two left. It's going. It's going to be gone. Thinking maybe I'll do a little research. Let me Google it for ten minutes. Um, that will probably help avert some of the uh, some of the um, bad buying habits. Purposeful purchasing. It's only purchasing things that kind of serve a purpose in the middle-aged group. I think we can all agree that if you want a word picture for slavery, I think the word debt does a beautiful job. When you're in, in, in the younger stages of life, if you don't do it right, it doesn't matter how hard you work later, you're going to have a really hard time getting out from that. You've well, how did I have it? I heard it put before, you know, uh, debt is, is something that holds you together with a gold chain and you've forged every link yourself or something like that. I'm butchering the quote, but be careful with debt. Uh, middle age group, uh, probably maybe family, homes. Uh, we're in the middle of all kinds of things. Home ownership, renovations, decorations, raising a family, sports, hobbies, entertainment, clothes, shoes, electronics, toys, boats, cars, Hair care, skin care, busy. At the same time, we're trying to be busy in church. We're trying to give to those that are less fortunate to us. And, of course, we're saving for retirement, right? Because this is all going to end one day. Do I sound winded yet? That was intentional. I think those of us that are in the middle of life can relate to that. There is so much going on at the same time. There are so many pressures. Uh, There's so many things we need that we would like to do and that we hope to do in the future. One little comment about saving for retirement. Homework is go look in the Bible to see what it tells you about retirement in the Bible. It's only mentioned once that I could find, and it's the verse that Brother Greg read about the rich man that tore down his bars to say, then I will sit back and relax. So let's think about that. Um, There's so much going on. There's so many pressures um, of things that we should do. I'm going to kind of speed this along. We're running out of time a little bit, and at the same time, a lot of them overlap. So I'm going to just kind of go through this. But starting with the first one, always is going to be a prayer. This is not something that our human nature will do, will want to do. Yourself, myself, is going to fight me every step of the way. Set expectations for a modest lifestyle. Little short story. This spring, we realized that all the kids' bikes were too small for them. Funny how it all happens at the same time. So I said, okay, whatever, we'll have to get a new bike. So we have a bit of property they can, they can ride. So I got looking in the flyers, you know, the hundreds of them that get delivered to your house, and I'm like, wow, 200 bucks for a bike. I'm not spending 200 bucks for a bike. I'm just too cheap for that. So me being me, I get online, Kijiji. I find three bikes. Lady's given two of them away for nothing because she thinks they're junk and 30 bucks for the second, third one. So I give her 25 bucks for all three. I get all, I, I sneak out of work early a bit one day. I go pick these things up. I'm like, ooh, they were a little bit rougher than I expected. You know, pictures online are, are, are pretty deceiving. So I go home quick. I oil them up. I loosen up the chains. I get them working. I got, I got them working. And the kids got off the bus. And I thought, my kids are going to love me. Two of them were on that bike and gone. The third one burst into tears. I'm like, wait, that's not what I was looking for. When am I going to get a new shiny bike like my friends? And I said, not while I'm paying for it. (laughs) And 
she really had a hard time with this. And I, I'm trying to explain that if I buy everybody a bike, I mean, that's a lot of money, we, you know. And you have a bike. I mean, come on, you have a bike. Who cares if it's shiny? Okay, I'm too logical sometimes, maybe. <laughs> and she was really devastated. And those of you that are parents, this, this surprised me in life once I had my own children. You know, I thought it'd be so easy to say no and do the right thing. But when your little girl looks at you and cries, I'm like, oh, man, how do I? And the pain is real, right? So it went on for an hour. She was really messed up. Finally at dinner, she's still moping. And finally I said, I won't tell you which one it was. I said, just look at it this way. If I buy you a bike for 200 and you a bike for 200 and you a bike for 200 and I want to get one for mom and I, we want to try to do some of this together as a family, we're talking 1500 bucks. And that didn't phase her. It doesn't mean anything to her, right? It's not practical. Whatever, go buy them, right? I want one. And I said, but... But if we can do the same thing and get all of us bikes and only spend 500, it gives us a thousand we can give to somebody who can't eat today. And I was so proud of her. Just like that, she switched. She understood what I was trying to say. Turns out I couldn't get her bike working and I had to go back on Kijiji and buy another one, but it was only 30 bucks. And one of the other ones, the little boy left it right in front of my truck and I drove over it two weeks later, so I was glad it was free. But there's lessons to be learned, and it only, that one didn't cost me anything, except for a lot of tears when his not-so-shiny bike was flattened. Um, anyway, set expectations. Are we doing it for our children? Are they expecting everything brand new, shiny, when they want it? I told Brother Greg the story, so I'm going to throw Greg under the bus here a little bit. He says, come on, go buy the girl a bike. <laughs> Cheapo, right? <laughs> He might be slightly right. The point is, set expectations. We don't need everything brand new and the best and the name brand. Hold each other accountable. Work together. Don't make these purchases on our own. I'll never forget, about three weeks after we got married, I went to Brother Werner's shop and picked up the, just bought a cheap old car for me to get to work in because I was going to let Jenny use the other car. And he said, so um, you've talked to Jenny about this car, right? And I'm like, no. I mean, it was just like a $2,000 car to get me to work. It didn't really matter. And he sat me down and said, you've got to talk to each other. I'm maybe a bit of a control freak, so I didn't think it made any sense, difference. I was driving it. But hold each other accountable. Hold each other accountable. Brother John mentioned time delay on purchase. Don't run into these things real quickly. Everybody's favorite word, a budget. We need to plan what we're going to do with our money. We need to plan it. But I would suggest that too many people stop at this step. They come up with a plan. It's a beautiful plan. It looks wonderful on paper. But they never keep track of what really happens to be able to see if they're really keeping the plan. I started doing that when we got married, and I was shocked at how much money I was wasting. Those little things that you just grab, it's shocking. Keep track. Ask for advice. We're not islands. We have each other and those around us. Contentment. At the end of the day, it's about being okay with not everything being perfect. It's about okay with, with being okay with not having the latest, the greatest, and everything that I lay my eyes on that I want. First Timothy 6, 6 to 18. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, 
And it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. It's about balance and moderation. It is okay to enjoy the fruit of our labor. I don't want to come across like we just got to, you know, don't spend a dime on anything that's absolutely uh, purposeful and, and necessary. I mean, we, we wouldn't, God wants us to enjoy life as we go through, uh, through it as well. And, you know, there's plenty of verses in the Bible that talk about it's okay to enjoy the fruit of our labor. It absolutely is. But there's the balance. How much of it are we going to use on ourselves? And Brother John mentioned the rich young ruler. You know, when Jesus asked him to go, you know, he said, all these have I kept from my youth. And he asked him to go and sell what he has. It's not like he's asking us all to go sell everything we have. But he could see the heart and could see that for him, that's what his heart was hanging on. I didn't come up with that title. Greg did. 101 old guys. That's all right. I don't mind being old. Um, it, our cups are full, thank, thankful to the Lord. I mean, we, I got, we got more than we need. And I guess the idea is how do we spend it? How do we control it? And the young people that are here, uh, you're going to get old too. So maybe an advance payment for you. Uh, take some notes. Uh, the average retirement age is 62.6. The average life expectancy for Canadians, it's 80 years old. For the Americans, they're a little bit less, uh, 79. So you've got approximately 20 years you're going to live after retirement. And what are you going to do with that? Well, we just want to flip through and make sure we're doing it right. You already know. I'm not going to tell you anything new. You already know. Uh, this is an interactive section session. So we have 10 minutes. And um, I'm looking for some feedback. So who are you? Uh, you're not the managers anymore. You're not the big bosses. You're kind of semi-retirement, retirement. retirement. Uh, you're laid back. Uh, they'll ask for your advice. The kids moved out. You changed the locks. Maybe you moved town. Um, when they ask, OK, so anybody have a Porsche? Put your hands up. I didn't know that was part of the class this morning, but. Nobody's got a Porsche. I like Porsche. <laughs> Porsche. Anybody have an airplane or a flying machine? I know somebody does here. OK. No hands up, but you do. Uh, anybody have a Harley? Yeah, see, Harleys are nice. Anybody have a snow machine? The Canadians. Anybody have a boat? Yeah, we got boats. Uh, anybody have a four-wheeler? Go on four-wheel trips. We did that with the youth. That was great fun. Uh, anybody got a special vehicle? <laughs> nah, they, maybe not. Anybody got a horse? Sorry, got a horse. All right. Uh, this here, maybe this, I, I, I took this picture because everybody's got a fancy house and a big screen TV. Right? Big screen TV? Everybody's got a big screen TV. Uh, anybody got a vacation property? I mean, I want to retire in Florida, but... We dream about that. Um, and I was going to bring in a bucket, but these guys didn't want me to. Uh, everybody's got a bucket list. You, you kind of think, well, what do I want to do when I retire, when I get there? Uh, some people travel, climb a mountain, gardening, grandkids, golf. Some people sit at Tim Hortons, the Canadians, and they just yak all day long. I was going to put poems on there, Uncle Bob, but these guys made me take it off. Uh, Stonehenge, maybe people want to see Stonehenge. That's a waste. It's just a bunch of stones in a field. Uh, Paris, that was part of the travel. Jerusalem, 
maybe you want to travel to Israel, that's worthwhile. I, I'm just showing you these pictures, so maybe we got to be careful how we spend our money and what we do with it. That's, that's the idea. Um, golf. I mean, some of our brothers, every Friday is off for golf, so... Uh, modesty. Uh, the definition of modesty is, is uh, freedom from conceit or vanity, the opposite of arrogance. Uh, standard of living, living a lifestyle that reflects Christ. I think we should kind of memorize that. Uh, this is a, pa- a pamphlet put out by the brothers. Real good, lots of good information in there. We all should read it. Uh, and this is what I got out of the whole exercise. It's not about me. It's not about what I do, what I want. It's about others, right? It's about those that are less fortunate worldwide. But, but I guess we can start with our church and go from there. Oh, it's not me. I don't like it. What do I get out of it? Nothing. It better be that way. Oops, what here now? Uh, here's tips on uh, that maybe the old guys should uh, take into consideration. Uh, buy things for their usefulness rather than for their status. So maybe you don't need a Porsche. Maybe... Uh, Maybe a turbojet or something. I don't know. Uh, reject anything that's producing an addiction in you. Uh, develop a habit of giving things away. I know some people you visit, they keep giving you stuff when you leave. Uh, limit modern, modern gadgetry. We don't need the latest iPad or the iPhone. or We don't need that, that junk. Uh, learn to enjoy things without owning them. Uh, Brother Eckhart going camping all the time and taking the young people. I mean, this is, this is basic. This is good stuff. Uh, develop appreciation for the creation. When you're out seeing the stars at night, that, this is real life. Uh, avoid buy now, pay later schemes. And when we're old, we shouldn't be doing this. Um, shun anything that distracts you from seeking the kingdom of God. And this is, this is a big bucket. Um, just a consideration for these for your bucket. Uh, be real, get involved. Uh, change of pace, slow down, cut things out of your life. There was an old expression, not for the young people, but uh, take time and smell the coffee. I guess when you're old, you don't smell that good anyway. But <laughs> Relax. Take, a, take time. Pray for others. Uh, usually the old guys in church, they sit in the same spot, if you notice. Well, great idea. Because uh, I'm watching everybody. I don't like to sit at the back. But you know where everybody sits. So when you have your downtime, when you're having your afternoon nap or whatever you're doing, start praying for everybody. You know where they sit and pray for each one of them individually. I mean, that's, that's what you can do. Um, ACC missionary trips, skills, uh, get involved. I heard Brother Bob doing bricklaying where uh, he is here. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is good stuff. You see these, and I think uh, Brother Chris's father, 80 years old, and I think he went to... Uh, Zambia, flip me out. This, this is good. And I think that's what we should be doing. Uh, church lawn, I heard one of our elder brothers, I won't say, 22 hours a week uh, mowing and cutting the lawn. The elder? I think I better get in shape. Uh, church maintenance, man, this is what we can get involved in. Kitchen help for the women. You, you, you still can do it. You still can uh, get involved. You can still do things. Uh, suggestions, we're, gonna, we're running out of time, not going to be any suggestions, um, <laughs> because we're running out of time here, and Chris is going to close up. Uh, uh, we're almost there. Uh, there's a good song, uh, Work for the Night is Coming, I mean, this, this, is, this is neat. 
Uh, but sometimes the life throws you a curve, and so you've got to be ready for it. Not everything's going to last forever. Uh, do it now. Uh, I wasn't going to, this next slide, I wasn't going to say this was me, but these guys, I, I was going to say it was a, I knew this good guy. Uh, but I was, I was working in Romania, took a heart attack, went to the hospital, and uh, this is the bypass. So sometimes life will throw you a curve. Sometimes you won't be able to do things that you think you were going to plan to do. So if you're going to do it, do it now. Get involved. Um, don't wait till it's too late. And uh, I think at the end of it, when it's all said and done for all of us, we want it to be said, he or she, us, we behaved ourselves wisely. Did we? Uh, what legacy were we going to be left behind? Did we, did we make good choices? I think that's... a few. We're running out a bit of time, so uh, we, we sort of canvassed some people for some thoughts and ideas because you know, you know we don't have it figured out. So uh, we've sort of had people give us some feedback. We have quite a few. We're going to have to cut short. We only have about five minutes left. Um, so John's I'm just going to highlight trouble. some. There was a ton of feedback that was really good. Um, and this is all basically I've taken what people have said or posted and just put it up here. Giving is so much better than receiving. Living below your means is way less stressful. I should have saved more and spent less. Um, there's a lot here, so I'm just going to pick out some good ones. So the second one, there was an adjustment getting used to paying for a lot of extra things, taking people out for dinners, buying my own stuff. Since my parents took care of a lot of the ancillary things in my life, I was used to spending no money but I had to get used to spending my money and my resources for God's glory. thought that was pretty good. Another one. I also really try to look for opportunities where I can donate money as well as spend money in other ways to bless others, traveling to their hometown, taking them out for dinner, etc. Second point here. The one theme that I heard in a sermon years ago was hard on self, generous on others. That really touched me, and I tried to always keep that as a rule for finances. First point. I've, I also have very few material things I actually want to have, which makes things easy. So much of finance is how much or how little are you content with. For my wife and I, we don't want nice cars or fancy houses ever, but our weak spot is traveling and athletic activities. So really, this is different for a lot of us. I think, oh. I'll just read one here. I hadn't actually thought before about what made us get our act together. I'd never considered paying off my debt faster than the minimum payments before going, on, going to another country to teach. In fact, I didn't think I paid much attention to my finances at all before then. I managed to pay off my credit card debt before I left. When I came back, though, I started using a credit card again and then started incurring debt again. By the time my daughter came around, we'd gotten ourselves into roughly $30,000 of additional debt between a car that we needed and all kinds of other things. I think at some point I just got tired of owing people money. At some point I started listening to Dave Ramsey and began hearing what the Bible actually says about debt. Tithes and offerings always came first. We never stopped. I don't say that to brag, only to point out that you don't need to cut back on your offering to make progress. God's math is different than human math. 
The Bible has the answers we need if we're just willing to look. Jesus uses the examples of budgeting to describe what it's like to be his disciple. Proverbs tell us to free ourselves like a roe from the hand of the hunter, not to give sleep to our eyes until we're out of debt. It tells us to work hard and to save. We're supposed to invest wisely and diversely. All of that is in the Bible. None of it is to become wealthy, although we can become wealthy by following the principles. But the whole point of wealth, the whole point of personal finance, in my opinion, is the end of being outrageously generous. I think that sums up very nicely. The point of all this is not to save more, like this brother emailed me. The point is to use what God has given us to bless others, to show others his love. Help somebody that you have no reason to help. This, I think, sums it up so well. He is no fool who gives the what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. We are not taking it with us. Let's make the most of it. Let's bless others with it. And let give God the glory. Again, it looks different to different people. I realize that and I want to acknowledge that. It can be done with God's help. I wish we had another 15 minutes to see if the group here is willing to share how God has used us. It's a really hard thing to open up and and to share how God has worked with us. We don't want to admit we had a problem. We don't want to admit maybe we got some help. We also don't want to talk about when we've helped other people. But we can learn from each other, and we can see from real-life examples that God can work in many different ways if, if we're willing to be first hard on ourselves so that we have options. There's so many, Brother John mentioned, you know, if I very asked a show of hands, who wished they could give more? I'm sure every hand here would go up, but there's only so much there. We can only earn so much. We only want to work so hard and so long. Let's make what we have go as far as it can go so that we have more to give. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. With God's help, it's very possible. It's very possible. When God asks you to give, have courage. It's not easy to write a check all the time. It's not easy to write a check when you're not quite sure how this is going to impact me. And the way I said that comes across the wrong way. I have never written a check where I then couldn't go do what I wanted to anyways. Maybe there's some who have done that, and God bless you for it. But don't worry about it. If God is asking you to help, help. There is lasting joy in giving. It will last a lifetime. It's hard to write that check, but the blessing of following God's will doesn't just last for a few weeks or months till the new car smell goes away. It lasts for eternity. And again, to sum it all up, let's not forget the perspective. What we, what we um, deny ourselves, if that's the right word I'm looking for here, may be hard. I don't want to make it sound easy, but think about the eternal perspective. Whether I had that latest uh, gadget or not, compared to where I spend eternity, think about it. It's a no-brainer. At the end of the day, where's our joy coming from? Why are we, why do we feel the way we do? Why, where's our fulfillment coming from? Everyone that's in this room, Jesus came to this earth to die for. If you're here and you don't think you're worth something, just think about that perspective. 
The Son of God left heaven to die for you and for me. That should give me more purpose and fulfillment than all the purchases of, on Black Thursday or whatever. It's, it's, it's ridiculous when we think about it. But let's focus on eternal perspectives. Any comments or questions closing? We're pretty much right out of time. But if somebody feels led to share something, I, I was hoping to allow five minutes to have some interaction. Uh, I'd love to hear from you. And, and even if not, let's, let's, let's open the discussion. Let's ask God to show us what he wants us to do. What about it? I agree. Amen. Julie. Sure. God's math. I love the way this brother put it. God's math is different than our math. And, you know, it's easy for me to say I trust God when I have X dollars in the bank account, my cushion. I, I have never, confession time, I've never gone to the point where I was giving, like the widow, you know, give the last, the last coins. Any other closing comments? Brother Fred, quickly. Any other comments? Learn from others. I agree. And, you know, part of that has to be we have to start being open with each other and, and sharing with each other. And, you know, I really want to encourage if there's anybody here listening and, and you've, you've found yourself in that slavery of debt, there are brothers and there are programs out there that can help. Once we get into this, it's not something we can necessarily chew our weight of ourselves very easily. But there are those that are very gifted and are willing to help to change this downward slide. And, uh, you know, it can be done with God's help. Thank you for your time. Sorry for going four minutes overtime here. Uh, appreciate it. God bless.